So we are back for our second episode of the City Island podcast. Today, I think we need to just give thanks to Zoom and House Party and all the other video calling platforms there are because we've finally done it, guys. So congratulations, a little side clap from Pete Dante. Hey, we're clapping, we're clapping. Joining us today, Dalton Harris and the Duchess of York, Sarah Ferguson, ambassador of Street Child. Without further ado, singer, songwriter, Dalton Harris, a man with an extraordinary voice and a huge personality from what I can see. Dalton, welcome. Hello, 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 ho, ho, everyone. (laughs) So firstly, how do you know these two wonderful people sitting next to me? Well, not sitting next to me. Oh, I know... (laughs) How do I know Pete and Dante? Um, I did something really bad and it was punishment. No, for real. It, <laughs> it's um, what I just want X Factor. I think Pete and Dante is like, it's been the start of 2019. And it's it was at the top of the, when I just started doing sessions. And we went in and I was like, okay, Pete was over the moon Dante didn't like me so much <laughs> and I started I, the first we did a song I was like yo these guys are really talented and ever since then it's just been non-stop music and, and it's kind of like those people you inherit you know so yeah that's how it is and we, how many songs later here we are on a podcast we introduced by his label um, and Psycho and um, they said they had this <laughs> okay singer they need some help on his vocals <laughs> you know <laughs> Somebody else is going to do it. We'll do it. Yeah. We came to the studio, um, and right. uh, yeah, we've been working with him ever since. He's he's an incredible talent, and um, yeah, basically we've adopted him now. Like it, he's out. He can't leave the studio. He ain't going yeah. anywhere. <laughs> so yeah, it was actually quite cool because guy from Psycho called us and said, "Listen, we've heard something amazing from this other actor you were working on called Michael Rice, you know, and we really think you'll be a great fit for Dalton." Mm. So he gave us the number four, Dalton's A and R. Um, lady called Michaela and basically she said please get in with him just feel the vibe out and it was a great day because when he walked in we were feeling each other out you know we were kind of like it was kind of quiet there for half the day and we were like oh god is he feeling this is he, is he on the vibe yeah. about halfway through the day he just came up and went yo I'm liking this I can't remember exactly what he's saying and Dante and I would turn around like what Thank God he's happy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we were blown away at him from the start. He's just, he's, he's an amazing person inside out and his voice is just obviously amazing. Well, thank you, Pete. Damn. Thank you. Take that out. But... Dalton. Hola, hola, hola. Hi, how are you? A little bit of Spanish there. I just want to um, talk to you a little bit about your upbringing because I just find it extremely interesting. Now, for someone so young. Yeah you've accomplished a hell of a lot and you've been extremely open about you know your upbringing to the public from what i can see and i you know i think it's really important for people to see the journey in between and not just the immediate rise to stardom so do you think it's necessary for musicians you know like yourself to be an open book and share you know and share your story with your fans um i think it's a, so the thing about open book and musicians i think a lot of things that people might think apply to only musicians are just life lessons that are worth learning so for me that i was that defensive kid all the time all my life that that you know i was always closed off and always trying to protect something or somebody off so i carried that into my childhood and like by that time even though you weren't the abusive 
type to persons around you because you got that you still were that way to you and that's kind of shutting down so when i learned how to communicate uh and open up as you say like have a, a be an open book and share my story with people and have it heal people a part of talking about it is healing others but it heals you as well and it kind of gives this innate acknowledgement to like how you feel and the process and time it takes to get to a healing place but it's not really something you see in ads that are very glamorized is it so it's kind of hard to talk about but um yeah i feel like to me it's therapy and it's my life's work i think if i've gone through things that were so intense and and, and, and difficult if i've made it through then i feel like i ought to share that you know when did you i mean look you've like i said you've accomplished a lot so young when did you decide you know i want to be the change that i want to see that's a question man what made me want to be the change i want to see when i was seven years old my mom had this guy that was interested in her and i've never told this story before but it's a little long but i'm met this dude like my mom said he was going to take us to kfc simple thing for a kid right but for me in a third world country where you don't go in a car unless it's christmas because you're in you know poverty you know we don't have electricity running water those things if you want water you go to the river you bring it back home and you know what i'm saying like real minute minimal and we weren't unhappy people we were happy you know because we made ourselves happy it wasn't about vanity and it still isn't but to put into perspective what a lot of people now couldn't even begin to fathom that was my life that's why i share that story to give an imagery of where it's coming from but this dude said he was gonna come and it was gonna bring us to kfc my sisters and i and we waited my mom took her best clothes out you don't wear them unless you go in a you know church on christmas imagine that you know <laughs> you know and 12 o'clock comes this dude doesn't show up one o'clock comes he doesn't show up five o'clock in the evening he don't show up kfc's closed at six or seven but as a kid i'm thinking once it gets dark everything is closed you know what i'm saying and the opportunity to go in a car and just be in a place that's not my one room hut in the hills you know away from everything to me was excitement so this guy promised me the world to me at the time and he didn't show and i was so disappointed i was so disappointed i said to myself i'll never allow anyone to promise me anything again and i'll also never promise anyone anything that i know i can't fulfill so what made me want to be the change is that simple thing wanting to do something that would that would impact people in a way that i'd want to feel so it's how i've gone with my my life and even now like you know like in the imperfect times like now covid and how it affects you in so many ways i wanted to be the change i wanted to see because too often in my own life i've been a victim to the change that i wanted to see but was never done by anyone so if i could combat that you know what i'm saying and be that change that i wanted to see then i would make the world a better place for me and those that i'd come in contact with you know what i'm saying and it's not a big difference but it's one you know yeah amazing answer. Uh, no that was the, that was a wicked that was a great yeah. answer That's a great answer. All right, I, come on. Let's go. Dalton, so in 2010, yeah. when you won Digi, um, Digicel, is it Digicel? Ooh. Digicel Rising Stars, Rising Stars, sorry. And the youngest winner, is that correct? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Living in Jamaica with such a huge family and, you know, a really public, well, leading a very public life and, you know, winning a life-changing sum of money. Did you feel at all like, you know, under pressure to suddenly provide and or provide a stable 
you know, mm-hmm. situation for your family and siblings because you come from, you know, big family, like 22 siblings. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, so the thing for me is my dad has a lot of kids. I don't know how many kids my dad has. Um, and when I tell the story of my dad, a lot of times it's kind of conflicting in its existence because my dad is the nicest person I've ever met, but he's the most, he wasn't there as a dad. So I could never say you were so amazing to me and he and I are strangers, but he's not a bad person, you know? So that's kind of a conflicting realm, no? Um, I'm the last for my dad. So I never grew up with a bunch of siblings by his part. His family actually wanted nothing to do with us when we were growing up because like the texture of my hair and stuff like that made my dad's family think I wasn't theirs. And because my mom wasn't the most educated lady, they kind of shunned her a little bit. So it was just her and us and whatever other children came, you know, from other, other guys or with my dad. So I grew up with like my older sisters and two younger brothers. And then later on, a younger sister came. By the time, and I speak about this openly, and now my mom and I have kind of gotten through this path because like last year was a year of healing healing as well. But uh, by the time I had entered Rising Stars, I was 15, 16, and I was homeless, you know, because I I was put out of the house by my mom, you know, at the time. And she was in a place where she was different then, you know. So by the time I entered this competition, it's something I wanted to be a part of since I was in the second grade, you know. And I knew it was going to happen, but I didn't have the fear. At the time, I was living with people that took me in. And they loaned me the bus fare to get to the audition venue. I didn't know how I was going to get back home, but I was like, crap. (laughs) I could just make it there. You know, I'll figure the rest out. And I got the yes. And then I went on to winning the competition. But by the time I won, I was just trying to make sure I had food to eat. I wanted to experience what it felt like to know there's where food would come from for the next week you know so that was kind of euphoric to me as a kid because i was like whoa i can like buy grocery every week now you know i have electricity obviously like i had independence as a kid as a teenager because i lived alone which you probably don't want but i'm grateful that i didn't go off and do any crazy things that would have affected me permanently in my life but you know it was that and i sent myself to school which is the most important thing i i got an education because I realized that whether I wanted to act on it or not, that would have been the best way to equip myself going forward. So that was really what it was. I didn't feel pressure to, 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 to provide until later because I was already doing it anyway when I lived with my mom. You know, I was always trying to make sure there was something on the table. And I was singing at church stuff as well. And I'd get, you know, um, money and they'd pay me and help send me to school, some of them. So it's like it was already a thing. But I think once I got older is where the pressure continued coming. So I would feel bad sometimes if I was in a different country having a good meal. I'd wonder, is my mom and my sisters doing this? And should I feel bad? You know, so I had an unhealthy relationship with my success, as you might call it. I wasn't rich, but I was working class, which to me, from where I'm coming from, is a big deal, you know? So I would feel guilty for it for a long time. And I actually never said that out loud before. Even now, I still feel bad. Worse, it's like Corona times now as well. Sometimes I wonder, am I doing enough? But also I know that it's not a responsibility of mine. It's a goodwill and I try to extend it as best I can, but I take care of myself most. But it's still a thing. I'm human. But no, and, and that show changed my life in the sense that it gave me other opportunities, you know, that I had to take. <laughs> I had to pay attention to understand where even opportunities. 
but education the most i think would have been what i felt pressure to make sure that i had Dalton, so, I, I wanted to ask you one quick question just for for a vibe and just make was it answer. just so overwhelming for you just to be on that stage to be honest being on the x factor was probably the hardest thing i did you know like i i respect the show all the producers that i've worked with on there i have mad respect for them when i go back they respect me still because i've shown that to them like i'm always just so re- humbled by them but like it's not easy and it's not you know like it's hard and cuz you're around a lot of competitive kids you know you're in a competition you're in the public eye the the schedule the workload the discipline that it takes for me what i know i needed to bring at least was hard so that isn't the part i remember so when you asked me that like what it felt like i remember singing and when i was singing i felt like god was inside of me you know like i felt like that was god it's a beautiful moment yeah. mm. such a beautiful did you um did you pinch yourself when um now rogers said you are an artist yeah uh, when now rogers said you're an artist brother i ran into a wall you know pinching myself wouldn't have been enough so <laughs> yeah and even when we were at judges houses i was just thinking they're like what did i do like you know what i'm saying i was like what did i just start you know like the kid that starts a fight that's bigger than he was expecting that was my feeling when i was like what did you just do you could have stayed on the ship just don't worry about nothing and figure it out <laughs> what did you you know i was like yeah i'm in for something man and i've worked with him since then as well it's like a really 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 amazing guy talented is an understatement for that dude's craft you know and the humility we made two songs together he and I and a guy called three beers from LA we write for Justin Bieber and being in the studio and seeing the guitar that he used uh, i can't sing the song i can't hum it cuz i don't know if you had to pay the madonna stuff you know what i'm saying <laughs> is that too much um like the my song was played with the same guitar that he played for madonna like for me that's already my dream wow. you know so good yeah so i was going to also i was going to ask you um don just also about the experience of being out of your what well, the where you where you're from like obviously coming over from jamaica and then coming straight onto this huge platform that is x factor like how did that fit? what was that like for you i mean were you versed with like the whole uk culture and the whole music scene in the uk before coming over or was that like the first time you was like thrust like straight into it like how 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 did that feel what was what's the experience um dude you asked me a lot of questions that that's heavy uh but to address the the thing all right so for me i had I try to consider myself not an ignorant person like I I'm not the smartest person around but I try to know a, a little bit about everything you know in the way of that's the way to appreciate other people and human beings so changing cultures and coming to the UK wouldn't have been something that I would have been shocked for or that I was like oh you know you prepared cuz to be honest there's a lot of people that I didn't know like the celebrities here I wouldn't know who those were I still don't know um a lot of things and like I remember the I was so embarrassed cuz I went to uh it was a TV award and I I haven't I still don't have TV cuz I don't know how to set it up and I don't really have time I never really had time till corona to like really get into watch TV like that and so it was kind of like okay you know I'm going where human beings are and I'm expecting to appreciate what it is and I expected the same and that's what happened better than i thought you know people loved me but the on the back side of that my country hated my guts 
you know, a lot of people, like I had a lot of support there, a lot, 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 you know what I'm saying? And, and there's a lot of people that are proud of me and I'm proud to be Jamaican. I always will be because I am the Jamaican that I am, you know? And, but I, I, I felt destroyed, man. It, it took me down for a whole year, but you know, I had tour and I had an album and stuff to record. So, and I was still on a TV show, so I had to, you know, tough it out and stuff it through but it that destroyed me son yeah all of that happened whilst you're on the show right this is and all of this is happening while i'm on the show right (laughs) yeah yeah so dalton i'm just gonna play you this sound clip right now i just want you to tell me what is going through you what was going through your mind right after you don't know what i'm gonna play but i'm gonna play it no i have no idea what you're gonna play and it's kind of freaking me out Yeah. Okay. That's when I won. What's going through your head at that point? I blacked out because that week, I I think I, at that point, I had stopped eating. At that point in the competition, I had stopped eating like weeks weeks before, and I was operating on adrenaline. And no, I didn't tell anyone because like they're very specific on the set about the you know they want you to be okay um the the researchers and the producers and stuff but it was hard for me and helena my vocal coach was with me the entire weekend and she was consoling me with that i'd go into rehearsals and be like i should just quit now just tell the producers to to you know tell them that i did something bad or that you know you could figure it out right i want to go home i'm done you know because like what is it all worth it you know yeah Yeah. and she was like are you crazy you know how many like she was like after all them vocal sessions I done put in with you, you're going to waste my time. <laughs> you know? Um, and, you know, she'd draw me out of the, the house and we were on a bus doing promo and stuff as well. So by the time that moment happened, I remember being deathly tired. But in that moment, I also felt like for the first time, I wasn't me. Right. Like, I didn't feel like I was me. I felt like a whole different person. But then... I didn't come back to being me. I stayed being this different person that I came to realize was just exactly who I was. So in that moment when I was told I won the X Factor, I didn't see myself as like the X Factor winner. I was like, all right. So I have a new shot at a new life. You know what I'm saying? And it was it was the right time because I had gone through the initiation process, which for me was the chastisement of being gay or not. Because to be honest, if I were gay and you'd hate me, then if, I, if, you're, if I'm presumably straight, and you're gonna love me then i i'd prefer not you know what i'm saying because like i know how it feels to be different i know how it feels to walk into a place and wonder if you'll be judged because of how you look who you are and let's be clear i don't think homophobia is any different from racism sexism any kind of ism ever in the world so and i'm not telling anyone that your religion should be this or shouldn't be this or you're this good you could be whatever and do whatever you want as long as you're not harming somebody and you're not putting the wrong message of hate or violence or anything out there like we have this innate we feel so entitled a lot of us you know what i'm saying whether we're in the public eye or not like myself included you know we are entitled and we think Mm. one our opinions about important things about people's lives matter we think that the world revolves around us you know we think that everything is supposed to serve us you know like we have a right to a right to that but how about the right to accepting somebody and something for exactly what it is you know that's what i'm on so i feel like when it comes to 
winning the X Factor and being announced as the winner, that was my, oh, finally, you know. And obviously then I was adopted. You know, actually, the Jamaican people think I was actually adopted into the UK by Sarah Ferguson. They actually, literally, Jamaicans believe that Sarah Ferguson is my adopted oh, no mom. <laughs> no way. No <laughs> way. Because when we just no. met, you know, she said she's going to adopt me. Yeah. So, Dalton, you have a very special guest joining us today. A lady that needs no introduction, but I'm going to give her a little bit. <laughs> Global uh, humanitarian, businesswoman, best-selling children's book author, producer, and wellness advocate. Who do we have? We have the Dutch Sarah Ferguson, or as she likes to be called, Dutch's Doodle. <laughs> I, well, I would like to say first and foremost that yes, I have adopted Dalton. And uh, so the Jamaicans <laughs> are correct in their assumptions, um, <laughs> and he is, and and he is just the most. Um, the, I don't know his heart and his humility and his kindness and what he did for me that night was just beyond. And uh, so yeah, I'm his number one fan and his adopted secret godmother. But I'm not so secret because I'm just telling it, telling it to the world as it is right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's, what an amazing introduction! Welcome to the show and to episode two, Dalton Harris's podcast. Thank you for having me. Indeed. Well, firstly, I'm really proud of you, all of you. I'm really proud of all of you. Uh, for um, I just think it's so cool. And I, I hit your 21 bracket, not your 50-year-old bracket, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> because I've never, I've never really... I've never really uh, got through from 21, so that's fine. We're, we've cleared that. Uh, the the thing is with Dalton is that um, I was so taken by his having such a gift uh, that he could actually he raised the the level of um, of kindness in the room from from his humility. So uh, immediately he is uh, one of those people that um, I would follow uh, for anywhere in the world. So. Firstly, really proud to meet you all, Keisha, Dante, and Pete, and of course, Dalton, thank you. Uh, secondly, uh, I, my grandmother always said to me, when you feel bad about yourself, give to others. And uh, it has saved my life uh, right up to this very day, even this second, right this moment, because, uh, you know, I woke up this morning and I, you know, you ha you, we all have good days and bad days. And, and so then immediately when you think, about anyone else but yourself, you can suddenly get yourself out of it. And, wow. you know, I think what Dalton's talk, talking about is when he had nothing and, and yet look where he is now because he believed and he had a great mom. I remember him saying he had a great mom that said, don't give up. I think, weren't you one of 10, Dalton? I can't remember. But, but, but the most important thing is that he inspired me that night and he inspires me today. But that's why in 92, when my grandmother said, go and give to others, I went to Upper Silesia in Poland and I saw a little girl called Anya and she was trying to break her thumb with the pain because she had uh, chemotherapy needles going into an old wound. And so she'd rather have a broken thumb than the, the needle going into the wound. Wow. And it was when all the most polluted area of Poland at that time in 92 was because it was still very much communist. And the the actual hospital, children's hospital, was right in the middle of, of the most polluted area through the coal mining areas. And the children were dying from the air they were breathing. Oh, so when I went there, I, I thought, goodness me, 
just breathing clean air would would give Anya, this little girl, 28, uh, 28 days of clean air gives her two years of life. And I said, surely we can do something just breathing. So we took 32 children up to the mountains in Poland and that's where Children in Crisis started there with the, my little friend Anya. It's always one little friend who starts me off on my campaign. Wow. And she taught me just to be gracious, grateful for the air we breathe. Wow. wow. So brilliant. Wow, wow, wow. There you go. And <laughs> some of the things and um, events and people who you're involved with today, which organizations are the ones that right now that stand out to you the most? So, the organizations that stand out to me the most are the, the organizations that don't wait till the end of the month. If you've got to go, you got to go. If you've got to make scrubs right now for 500 people, I will find a way, no matter what. You, 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 it's not about ego. It's not about yourself. Oh, you know, it, it's got to be that you, you work with other existing charities or people and you find a solution. And uh, the, so, so any organization which is prepared to say, yeah, 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 sure, don't worry about it. We'll do the scrubs or... Or we'll go and get the masks, or or, or we'll send in, uh, the, for example, the renal unit at Hammersmith Hospital. That 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 they weren't with COVID, but they all the the, the nurses and doctors were getting so frustrated because everyone coming in, all the patients weren't allowed any belongings at all, no deodorant, nothing. Oh. So so they did a call out for. 200 hand creams and 200 personal hygiene for women products or whatever it might be. And so immediately I got that call out and went, right, come on, let's go shopping. <laughs> so I went shopping. You know, I don't think it's about... It, 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 I think I think that frontline workers on the, the dustbin men, the bus drivers, the key workers, local heroes, the nurses, doctors, and, and, and just... You know, but I think globally, not just in this country, I think globally people who've got the willingness to want to find a solution to make good, I go with them. Mm. Amazing. Great answer. Incredible. <laughs> what, what is the best, some of the best advice that you've been given? Well, actually, funny enough, um, if you go back um, to Anthony Aurelius, I don't know, um, you guys, uh, just look him up because he was before Julius Caesar in Rome. And is, isn't that incredible that to think that you go back all the way to, to Aurelius, who said, um, who said that not everyone's going to like you. There's going to be 50% who are going to like you and 50% who yeah. don't. Yeah. And, and so all you can do is just march on. And and, be, and, you know, I often say, I think he's one. I think Rudyard Kipling, if, if you can keep your head when all men doubt you and blame it on you, I think the poem if is beyond because I live it every single day because, as you know, the British newspapers love to, bad Fergie sells a lot of papers. <laughs> <laughs> the last one is um, Charlie Mackesy right now uh, is a beautiful book called The the Boy, The Mole, The Fox and The Horse. and. And he says, uh, he says, what's the greatest gift you can give anyone? And he always says, uh, love and kindness. And, mm -hmm. I, and I really think uh, that, uh, I think Dalton and I are a good example that uh, I, I'll go on talking all day if you want people. But I really want to honor such a good man as Dalton and his mom and, and his family. So, so I think, yep. I certainly live by um, 
turning the cheek to joy bubbles. Do you see? I just ra- yes. raised my chin because everybody can say, "Oh yeah, it's a bad day." Oh, me, 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 me. It's so boring in the air. Boo! Shut up and just try and go to this thing and say, "Well, well yeah, but let's find a solution or let's find a path ahead." And uh, that's when I merged Children in Crisis with Street Child in July a year ago, I think, or two years. Because this young, really fast and furious CEO came to me and said, look, we can take your charity to another level. So instead of me saying, no, no, it's mine. I am going to do it my way. No. I said, whoopee, do. Yeah, take it. Run it. Because you're young. You're going to put more energy into it. And, uh, And so that's, I think, about if you're going to do this work, You've got to do it from your heart, not from your own ego, which is fascinating. Absolutely. Incredible. I think um, for those, for people like hearing this, because we're having a conversation, a very real conversation. When I was growing up, and even when I just came there, I used to think my idea of giving back was it had to be financial. You know, it, had, it ended with how, many, how much money did I have to give? And I was like, I, I, I had none. But I had a willingness to want to change and help people feel just like you said the best gift to give somebody I add one to it love, peace and life I, I live by, by that mantra every day that is a religion if I give you love, peace and life peace if I find you with peace and leave you with it you know what that is but you don't you know it, it, it's some, something as simple as you know um, helping somebody else saying a kind word being kind to something um, understanding somebody's position and, and something you know how the world has changed and redefined what key workers have been because in the midst of a, a pandemic when to me a key worker was a human being that was making change that was what it has been to me all along not what somebody's job title is you know mm. yeah. yeah the same way this has been such a humbling experience and re- revisiting some form of you know social hierarchies that we have mind and what we allow ourselves to respect and put dignity behind look and see the essential you know how, how essential is it for, for these people carrying out these these things and if they stop what would have happened you know and if somebody stopped caring for somebody then somebody would stop caring for you so mm-hmm. that wanted to be such a great thing that was touching so many people's lives as you said for a good thing you know if you know you if you want to help you'll extend the space for others to help you help, you know, because you want to extend as much goodness into this world. But I want to ask you a question, because this is always something that intrigues me. I know what my answer is, and that changed my life every day. But in your life, who would you say, or what would you say was that great help that helped you own that new page to becoming the person that no, that's a that's a that's a really good question because uh, I noticed uh, that it's um, when you lose your way and um, all men doubt you again, Roger Kipling for you. Um, yeah. You can that poem's good one. Um, it, is that is that it's it's somebody that remains steadfast when you've lost your way within yourself, and it could be. And, and I really notice it, like um, my friend Kate, who is actually on the line. Uh, you know when no one talked to me, she agreed to come on and work for me 28 years ago or whatever. Is she completely crazy? But um, So when she came in the door and I said, well, you've seen the front pages today, so you don't want, you might as well go now before the interview. She said, no, why? And she, she didn't judge me and she never has. And I think friendship, you can't quantify friendship through no judgment. I mean, we Absolutely. cannot judge another. And, 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 and I think 
too many people do. So to ask me to single out one person, it would be, it would be, um, of course, there are people like Nelson Mandela, when he said, um, "Oh my goodness, it took me 28 years to forgive myself," and and then I and then I forgave my perpetrator, you know, my guards, and 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 then I walked free and became president. So. And he, I remember going to travel to him and see him. And I said, oh. what do I do? You know, I feel so bad about so much. And he said, um, don't wait 28 years to forgive yourself, Fergie. Wow. So this whole pandemic has affected everyone in, um, you know, in very different ways. Um, I just want to know from you, like, you know, how have you been spending your time and how has it affected you and your girls and family? Okay, uh, so yeah, thanks, Keisha, for the question. Well, so uh, in this uh, during this lockdown period, I've actually really loved um, spending more time with Eugenie and Jack. My daughter uh, got married to Jack uh, in oh goodness, was it last October? No, it's October before. Heavens, and uh, and so of course, once she's gone to get married, I, I, they lived. You know, they live away. So I never got to, I haven't seen her so much. And so now it's been a total joy to spend real quality time with her. And uh, first time in 30 years, I even baked a lemon drizzle cake with her. So, so the first thing is, is that it's fantastic. It's sad for me that Beatrice, she, she was going to get married next week, um, but they postponed the wedding. And uh, Edo and Beatrice uh, have been living in uh, with... Um, her future mother-in-law who's lovely great friend of mine and uh, but I'm missing my other daughter but that's so you know it, it, it's just like everybody else we're just the same family as everybody else mm. and um, so what I've done is what I do every day is uh, I do my I call myself the general <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm the general of my mother's army and uh, I think to myself well if I was um, on the front line right now, what would I want? And I would want to uh, have my children have a funny story read to them. I would want to have um, all the food delivered. And so between Kate and I, who's my major general, we've been, um, we've been delivering uh, at least 500 meals a day, a week um, to oh, yeah. frontline workers. And so I think, um, I think it's that. I think, I, I, I think in my lockdown place, I've been, making a lot of telephone calls and uh, Kate's been uh, making a lot of tasks. <laughs> okay. I, I just sort of, I hope everyone's taking the time. I know that they want to get out and they, I know I'm so lucky, so it's difficult, but I just want everyone to cherish these nugget moments uh, when the birds are singing louder. And, uh, and, absolutely. And, and it just really frightens me. I was going to rush off to try and get back to what we knew, but, but mm -hmm. actually they're going to just take those moments of just joy to, I, I certainly am enjoying every single second to be with, with my daughter wow. and um, just, just having to, and not having to go to the hairdresser every day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And music related, what is your, what has been your COVID soundtrack? What has got you through the hard times? Oh my. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dalton Harris. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> good, good, good. I want you to, Dawson, I want you to sing with Andrea Bocelli, you know, because. Oh, because, yeah. Yeah, because, because what I, I, what I love is really crescendos. I'm a crescendo queen. And uh, so, because it makes me cry. And then. Uh, I, I just, I just was speaking with um, Tyler from, from the label. And I was like, Tyler, because I call Tyler like every other day. I'm like, Tyler, when I get out of 
forget. I want to make the biggest um, song song that could be a soundtrack ever. And he's like, okay. I'm like, good. And then he, he goes, you sure? I'm like, yeah. And then him thinking I'm crazy, but I'm happy that you are thinking just like me. And like the Andre Bocelli's and the, one of my great, uh, there's a song called, it's the Diva song from Fifth Heaven. When I was a kid, I was like nine. I was like, oh, I still do. Sing it for us. Um, it's a track from the fifth element. It's the scene where the diva. Oh, yes. And it's opera. Along with this podcast, Dalton is, is releasing a, a playlist as well on the, on, the, on the weekend that it comes out. Maybe we can add that to this playlist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Good. And, and I, think, I think for me, it's all the songs that, um, that rally me. You know that yes. make me cry, that make me move me. I, I'm I'm mad about music and film and music and television and oh, yeah. and really, I mean, real classic. Uh, it doesn't have to be uh, old-fashioned classic. It can be very modern classic, uh, like it can yes. be Vanessa May or or um, what's that great good uh, violinist who I love, Kate. Um, uh, oh, uh, she's fantastic. Anyway, Nicola, uh, Nicola Benedetti. Oh my goodness, that's good, Kate. Well, Nicola <laughs> Benedetti, yeah. And so it's just that sort of movement of, come on, we're not going to give up, you know? The- Absolutely. Oh, yes. yeah. Fantastic. Oh, great. We've got some great. So many good things there, yeah. Yeah. We have. I was just going to ask, lastly, I mean, I don't know, we're probably going to wrap it up soon, I, I presume, but I just wanted to ask is there anything that you've is there anything that you're that you're really missing, um, or have you re- that you've really missed um, being in lockdown? Do I miss anything in lockdown? Uh, the m- being the person I am, and because I'm so old. Uh, is is that I don't miss anything because I love to find a solution for my missing, if you see what I mean. So if I do, then what am I missing and what am I reaching for? So if I if it's friendship, then I'd love to to ring up a friend. Or if it's um, I, it, it's not seeing my mum and dad because they're not here anymore. But it's just the the it's just the sense that I I like to. If I do miss something, then I go and work out what it is and then I make and then I make a solution to sort it um, but I again I'm very very lucky because I write children's books I write books I write you know this is my 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 world is is um, is writing so it I, I am really loving the moments just to sit down and think about uh, the next chapter of my novel, which, you know, she's set in 1860. She's she's redheaded and she's very feisty. Um, <laughs> and so then I start plotting. Uh, well, let me ask you a question, um, Dalton. Uh, what age 26 and, and Keisha and, and all of you, Dante, Pete, is what, what, how can I help you make your lives better? What, what can I do to support you and and give you the, uh, I want to help you. I want to, you might not need it, but how can I help you in this time? Or any time? That is amazing. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Um, how can you help? I think it's like an unanswerable question because I think that a lot of times, like for me as a young guy, helping me is giving me something, teaching me something. So I guess helping me in this sense, I should have had help before as well, but you know, now that I've been here, the way I know that I can be helped going forward is just understanding how the world works a bit more. You know? Understanding industries, understanding, um, even if I did before, just on a deeper level, like earning, earning ability, you know, how to 
manage yourself, your head, because you're in isolation. And as he said, like, there's no live income. I'm not uh, a big artist that had been established before. A TV show, thank God, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can be okay now. But it's, it's, it's different. And I guess when you're in the public eye, you're always seen as not wanting or needing anything because you're known to be a part of your job is to always be perfect all the time. But it's not true, that's work. And when we go to work and you come back home, you're a human being, which is why I've always never, I never chose, I never present myself as, guess who I am? I'm D. Dalton Harris. I'm a human being that happens to make music, you know? And just like somebody goes to a law firm or goes to um, their nine to five jobs, you know, music, I never stop working because I can't clock off, but it's how I treat it, you know? And, And so helping me, you're helping me now by, by raising awareness with just this podcast. Support Street Child UK if you can. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you can, it doesn't matter. You know, go 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 on the website. I'm gonna put the website up on my social media as well. And um, I want you guys to help me generate content for like a week's worth of just doing something on social media running. The most important thing is that uh, I have I, you know, I'm here in service and I'm here in service with you guys and I really want to team up with you guys. I've always wanted to have my own podcast, so you guys, I can team up with you. <laughs> and let me st- extend it no, to you. Just uh, once this is all over, we would love to have you at a Three Bears concert. Yes. Come down and see Dalton perform with us yes. as well, you know? Please, it'll be wonderful. Yeah, yeah. He's my godson. I go everywhere for him. So, yeah. and 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 now I've got I've, now I've got to. I'm following Dan, Takesha, and Pete too. So, Kate, Kate. I want to ask you. Um, um, it, I, I, it's still hard for me to, to, to refer to. What I want to ask you, Dutchy Doodle. <laughs> Dutchy Doodle. <laughs> I, I I consider myself a feminist, and I'm a man. And what I mean by that is. I see women not just as equal, but the same way I explain a human being. I need to think of why a woman is some reason less com- less 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 able to do something or less 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 smart or less whatever it is that we're very creative people with ignorance. But what I wanted to, to know is I feel like every year, the pressure on women to be perfect, whatever it is, the social pressure, as a matter of fact, increases. Mm-hmm. How do you teach your daughters to not only ignore, like it's easy to say, um, you know, forget it, you're beautiful, if they call you ugly or if they say something, you say no, no. How do you teach them to believe in the power that it is to be a woman today, you know? to refute all the pressures and all these expectations and anticipatory socialism that are directed to women. Uh, thank you so much, honestly, Dalton, for bringing it up. I, I, um, I, I abhor trolling and, uh, and, and, and I think I, uh, cyberbullying I see on my daughters uh, because people have, think they have judgment to, to make them certain ways or they compare everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and it really, uh, drives me. I, I, I mean, I've written very strongly about pouring cyberbullying, and always remember something. Diana was always very tall and thin, um, and I was always the Duchess of Port running behind 
along, you know, not looking quite the same. So it's always been a judgment, whether it be Catherine or Megan or Sarah or Diana or whoever it is, there always has been a judgment everywhere. And so it took me a long time uh, to not think that I needed to be perfect in every way and have a very thin, thin mm. body and all these things. When I went to New York and... I went to see the Mother Hale at Hale House in New York and I went and met Mother Hale and uh, I said to her, Mother Hale, I've noticed that you have mirrors on your skirting boards at the bottom. Why do you do that? She said, because I'm a house for abandoned babies and when children come in, uh, I take them. When they're crawling around the floor, whenever they look, look at themselves in the mirror, I say, you're beautiful, you're fantastic. And uh, no matter what, uh, I remembered that and as soon as I got home to England I saw Beatrice and Eugenie and I every time they looked in the mirror I'd say you're beautiful and you're lovely and now Beatrice age 30 and 32 um, just shine I mean they they shine because they they they've they've had it drilled into them yeah. um, that it's it, it's not about you know it, it's it's about the heart and and that's I think I've learned that through my own experiences of being absolutely pillared um, for having a round bottom. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. Again. So good. <laughs> okay, thank you guys. Don't forget to read it. So much, Sarah. Bye. 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 So, Dalton, Cry was your last release. Well, I say last release, but five months ago now. What is next for Dalton? For Dalton, Dalton, I don't think of me Dalton the singer. Dalton the singer, I know I'm going to have to sing again. Because I want to, I love to. Mm -hmm. It's my job. For me, I just, what's next to me is trying to be better. And also trying to make myself more secure. And then from that, music will come, you know. So another insightful episode. Dante and Pete, thank you so much. Do not forget, guys, that you can donate via the podcast page. And remember, by doing so, you are helping these children help themselves. Dalton, it has been an absolute pleasure. Yes, the pleasure was mine as well. It was nice to have with you guys. Y'all are a fun bunch. All right, guys, my name is Dalton Harris, and you've listened to my City Island podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. And catch... The City Island Podcast next week for another innovative episode. Peace and love. Until next time. Follow Street Child at www.streetpipeandtrial.co.uk and follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Street Child UK.